Hey there, friends. I'm Andrew Fulton, your host of the Rigway Podcast. Thanks for joining us. The Rigway Podcast will be based on three topics. First, we'll talk about our company, Rig Rope Access, and the business of rope access. Second, success strategies for a prosperous career in the rope access and rigging industries. And the third topic is why adventure. Why adventure in life is important. Within each of those three topics is a vast amount of interesting content that we're excited to share with you. Also joining us will be Las Vegas rigging leader, climber, and rope access professional, Jason Selman. Jason and I have worked together rigging hundreds of gigs, and we've done some fun adventures together as well. Jason is a part of our production team, not only producing the Rigway podcast, but he's also a foundational part of Rig. I asked Jason if he'd be willing to be my interviewer for this podcast. He agreed, which was great. So thanks for joining us, Jason. Right on. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thanks uh, thanks for having me here. It's going to be uh, great to chit-chat with you. Um, so as, as I understand, in this first episode, we're going to be kind of learning about your involvement with RIG and why you believe having a career and success strategies are important, and uh, a bit about your adventure background as well, right? Yes, indeed. I know it's a lot to talk about, and I'll do my best to be brief. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You're not known for telling short stories. Uh, so what can we expect in the next episode? Great question. In the following episodes, I'm going to introduce the other two founders of RIG, Chad Umble and Bob Goodwin. They're my partners. They'll share a bit about their backgrounds, careers, the founding and early days of RIG, their day-to-day -day responsibilities, thoughts on the future of rope access, the pros and cons of going into business for themselves, and why they believe adventure is important. Over the course of future episodes, we'll have other key members of the RIG team on the podcast as well. Yeah, it's good to know. Uh, the episode with Bob and Chad are going to be great, and I'm sure that interviews with all the other team members of RIG is going to be equally exciting. Oh, you're right about that. We have a very unique and talented group of individuals on the RIG team that will just be super fun to have on the podcast. So right now, RIG is going through uh, rebranding, right? And <clears throat> the company was called Rigging International Group, but you guys are rebranding into Rig Rope Access. Will you guys be talking about that in the episodes? Yes, indeed, we'll be talking about the rebranding effort and why we decided to do so at this point of being in business going on eight years. Well, that's good because uh, everyone is definitely interested in the rebranding process and definitely getting some of that new swag. Yeah, there will be some new swag, that's for sure. <laughs> we'll always keep the rig welder, though. That That's uh, part of our logo. We really love it. So... Uh, other types of guests that you're going to be having on this podcast. Let's tell us a little bit about who they are and what fields they're going to be from. Oh man, we'll have all sorts of interesting people from a variety of backgrounds. If the topic is bridge inspection, the guest will be a professional engineer. Sometimes we'll be discussing inspection, so then we'll be talking with a CWI or an NDT inspector. When the subject is wind energy, we're talking with experts from that industry. Pertaining to business, we'll be speaking with successful entrepreneurs. And when the subject is adventure-themed, that means there will be fun conversations with those types of folks. Wow, yeah. So the, Rig, uh, the Rigway podcast is certainly going to be interesting, no doubt about it. Yeah, and there's one more fun subject and group of people we'll have classic conversations with, and it's our friends in the Las Vegas entertainment business. Growing up in the Las Vegas entertainment industry, I heard so many wild stories and just hilarious, hilarious uh just escapades that I know will be enjoyed by our listeners. So we have to share those stories too. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, the entertainment industry has great stories, and I think everyone listening is going to be 
Uh, pretty happy to hear those. Yeah, I think so too, for sure. So uh, I think you were you were telling me a little bit about uh, your travels recently and going out on the road and doing uh, trade shows. Do you plan on doing any sort of live podcasts when you're when you're out there? Oh, absolutely. Trade shows are an awesome opportunity to have great conversations with main players in those industries that Rig Rope Access does work in. So doing on the road podcasts definitely is going to happen. All right. Well, that's very cool. Uh, I think that the variety of content that you're providing in this in this podcast is excellent. And on that note, um, are you ready to do some sharing? Oh yeah, let's jump in and do it. So Andrew, uh, you've been waiting a while to do a podcast, and now it's happening. You're doing it. You're doing a podcast. Yes, indeed. It feels great to finally get here. So here we go. First question. The name of the podcast is The Rigway. Why'd you choose that name? What's it mean? Well, since the name of our company is Rig Rope Access, incorporating rig into the name of the podcast is important, especially since we are going to be talking a lot about rope access and what rig does. Also, the word rig is polysimus, which I really like. Polysimus. So we're doing vocab lessons here, huh? I don't, I don't think that's right. Let's, let me check. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that's how it's pronounced. So you say polysimus, I say polysemus. Ooh. Polysemus. Oh! All right. Okay. <laughs> I swear I hit uh, one time on one of these dictionaries and it was polysemus. <laughs> <laughs> so what's... What's polysemous mean? What's polysemous mean? Uh, it's a word that has multiple meanings, and the word rig is a classic example of that. Uh, rig is both a noun and a verb, which I really like. Uh, rig as a noun obviously refers to the company. Um, it actually refers to something. You could say, hey, look at that rig over there, and you know that could be an offshore oil platform, or it could be a lighting rig hung above the band. Then rig is also a verb, which refers to action. And as a rope access company, we are always taking action, taking action to be the best and provide excellent service to our clients. Yeah, absolutely. And so, right, you throw uh, way on there as well. So it's the rig way. And what's, what's that? Well, the word way simply refers to how it's done. And the rig way pertains to excellence and always striving to be the best in everything which we do, which includes training and all the types of rope access services that rig provides. And the way that we take care of uh, our crews, our employees, and um, just the way that we represent its excellence all the way. Yeah, It's totally. the right way. The rig way is the right way. Yep, that's it. That makes sense. So... Uh, Let's talk about the overall goal of this podcast. I mean, what's, what's, gonna, what's the outcome for you? Well, I'm going to be brief. The purpose of the podcast is to educate and entertain. Well, how about that? Brief, a brief Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's no doubt that this podcast is definitely going to educate and entertain. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, what does Rig Rope Access do? Well, that's a great question. I love to talk all about it. We do IRATA and SPRAT Rope Access Training in Las Vegas and Anchorage, Alaska, as well as we provide a variety of services where rope access is utilized. Rig does specialty welding, NDT inspection, painting. We even do cleaning. Uh, it's all about work that's difficult to get to. It's access challenge. Uh, that could be on the top of a building, underneath of a bridge, 
Um, it could be in a confined space scenario. If it's challenging and hard to get to, that's what rig specializes in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you were explaining before, you had mentioned IRATA and SPRAT. And uh, why don't you go ahead and explain what these trade associations are and, and how they're used within the industrial sector? Well, I'm just going to be very brief here because when we have Chad and Bob on, they'll really get into the nuts and bolts of both organizations. But just briefly, IRATA is the Industrial Rope Access Trade Association, which was formed, man, I think in the late 70s. It could be the very early 80s, but I think it was the late 70s over in the UK for doing, you know, challenging work at height. SPRAT is the Society of Professional Rope Access Technicians, which is a U.S.-based organization that provides rope access training. Um, and both organizations have a place in work at height, no doubt about it. Yeah, they're kind of the, the, the benchmarks, right? The, the organizations that determine how work should be done, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So when it comes to getting trained in rope access for your first time, uh, how long does that usually take? Can you explain that the, the training system? Well, it starts with a level one, and then there's a level two, and then there's a level three. And when a person decides, hey, I think a career in rope access is something that I'd like to uh, explore, they sign up for a level one course, and it's a four-day adventure, basically, of learning how to work on ropes and to do various techniques that are utilized when we're out there working at height. So it's a four-day class, and then on the fifth day, an independent assessor comes in and oversees the test. Right on. So, uh, so to work for RIG, you have to go through this course, right? Absolutely. Um, RIG, we're a rope access company, so all of our technicians have a certification. Um, that is IRATA. Yes, there's both organizations. RIG teaches uh, the training for both organizations, IRATA and SPRAT. But as an operating company, we are an IRATA company, and it is a, uh, a path that we've chosen. So all of our employees that we hire have to have IRATA certifications. And We'll talk more about that when we have Bob and Chad on here. Yeah, absolutely. So, right, in, in order to start working for the company rig, you go through the, the, the training setup, you get your IRATA 1 certification, and then, you know, depending on other skills that you have, you'd be eligible to start working for rig at that point, right? Yeah, basically, you know, and there's IRATA training at a few other places around the United States and down uh, in Mexico and over in Europe. And, if those technicians come over here and want to work for RIG, you know, and they show us that they have an IRATA ticket, uh, you know, they're first in line to get hired by us. Right on. That's cool. So uh, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about your story with Rope Access. What led you to, to fund a Rope Access training and services company? Uh, well, that's a great question. My background in Rope Access is I got my level one IRATA in 2006. And then in 2008, I went up a level to the level two. But at the same time, I was having more opportunities in the Las Vegas entertainment rigging industry that was moving me in more of a management direction. So that really became more of my focus instead of uh, working towards doing rope access. And basically what it really helped was shape my mindset about 
managing work at height and that as uh, a manager that oversees uh, riggers who are working at height, I just saw that, you know, rope access definitely has a place. And you asked, you know, well, you know, how did you become involved with this? It was uh, a, uh, an opportunity that came about because there was in the United States, um, you know, a need for a different type of uh, rope access company. And my partner, Chad, approached me and said that this was something that he would like to pursue and asked me if I was interested. And I said, absolutely. I think that uh, this is a good opportunity. And I knew that he would be a great partner. And so he and I went for it. And that's a whole great story in itself. <laughs> absolutely. And that'll be, you know, in the, the next episodes, you'll be having a, a nice deep dive with with, with Bob and with Chad about the the origins of rig rope access. So, um, you know, coming back to your story a little bit, Andrew, I know that you've definitely, you were on more of the entertainment rigging side of things, especially here in Las Vegas. Uh, did you see that rope access is needed for the, the, the entertainment industry? Oh, no doubt about it. You know, in Vegas, we do these really, really complicated projects, these big shows, and I can just go towards uh, the award show industry, which is an industry in itself, in the entertainment industry. And these projects are complicated, and oftentimes the rigging for the show in these buildings can be in places that is very inaccessible. And, you know, it is... Uh, it was really needed. It was really needed because it gives a safer way to get up there and execute the work that's needed. And, you know, rigging can be very dangerous. It can be very problematic and you're managing safety all day long. And at the end of the day, you want your, your guys, your team, everybody to go home to their families. And, you know, back in the day when I started working in the entertainment industry in Vegas, we would just basically free solo up to a beam and you'd get up to that beam and you'd then travel out and then put your lanyard around it. We weren't being belayed. There was no fall protection. It was just going for it. And rock climbers really had a place in, uh, in getting up there and helping make it happen. In 2011, I was fortunate to get the job at UNLV as the rigger in charge for the Thomas and Max Center. And the Thomas and Max Center is a notorious place for being challenging to climb and rope access and having riggers in town that were trained in rope access to access to the high seal steel. I know we use the word access a lot, but that's what we're doing. We're having to access someplace that's challenging and, um, it just became so beneficial and you know all about it because you were one of the riggers that, uh, was up there doing it. Yeah, so. I, I, right. We met, we met during that time, and right. That's I got my start in the entertainment industry, working at the Thompson Mac, and started right on the ground and worked my way up to being a high rigger. And I got to work in that building prior to there being a, a grid that they installed. And so, right, I got to you know learn from some of the the classic original Las Vegas riggers, uh, basic, you know, at that time 
pre-rope access styles for, for Las Vegas. And, and it sparked my interest, and that's how I moved forward with my career and moved into the future of, you know, investigating rope access techniques. And so, yeah, I think you're right. There is a place for it, and uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, sometimes where rope access can work in the entertainment industry is really dependent on how the work is executed. And it is very important that there's good planning because just because somebody has a rope access cert, and this is something that I'm, I really like to hammer home, is just because the rope access cert has been earned doesn't mean that it's rope access on the job unless there's a management structure in place to oversee the project. And you know that's really what's important. And I think that as we make an impression on the entertainment industry about that being so important, we hope that that is embraced. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's things that need to, you know, continue to be developed and, you know, ironed out and made into standards for the entertainment industry. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. So before you got into rope access and entertainment rigging, uh, you had experience with ropes. Uh, and so I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. Why, why don't we talk about how, how you kind of found your way into working with ropes? Well, I started rock climbing in 1991, all right, and then working as a rock climbing guide in 1994, and then into entertainment rigging in 1997. So there's been a lot of having fun way off the ground using ropes for over 30 years. Yeah. Um, you know, as a young man, I had a construction background. Vegas was booming. Um, I had an opportunity to meet a fellow, Seamus Brennan, who was one of my mentors, who took me underneath of his wing, got me into IATSE Local 720, saw that my construction background was advantageous to helping me become a good rigger. And then you throw in the rock climbing. It's like, well, I can be up there working height and feeling comfortable. So, um, yeah, man, uh, I've been working with ropes and tying knots for most of my life. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like right. You've been recreating and right working with ropes for a long time, and and roping and starting a rope access company is just a natural progression, probably, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a it's a legitimate career for climbers and and people who have the adventurous spirit. And it's um you know it's fun going to work every day and having some real challenges and things that you have to overcome and being a part of creating solutions to uh, make a gig happen. So yeah, that's interesting. You know, I wanted to kind of bring it back to that. So, you know, rope access as a, as a career choice or entertainment rigging as a career choice, uh, it, it's, a, it's a good pick for people who have, you know, an adventurous spirit or for rock climbers, right? Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that, you know, it's, uh, there's a certain type of person that gravitates towards, you know, let's call it a risky career. Sure. Um, and one of the best things that those types of people can do is become highly trained to mitigate the risk in that career. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're all about. You know, we're all about going and having a great time at work, but 
work isn't the same as going out when you have a personal adventure. Like when we go out to have adventures and rock climb and, you know, just do classic things out there in the wilderness, it's, uh, that's where we're putting our own personal selves into a risky situation. But when we're going to work, it's a completely different scenario. Yeah, absolutely. There's different uh, different standards that have to be adhered to because we're we're operating in a different in a different manner. Yeah, we're at work. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk about about uh, your your origin story when it comes to founding, being one of the founding members of uh, Rig Rope Access? Well, we can talk more about that. And there's you know so many great conversations pertaining to that subject, but. Right now, I just want to give a shout out to one of our partners, Petzl, who we just absolutely love. Um, they're great to do business with. We love their equipment. And they have a super great mission statement that I want to share with everybody. So here it is. This is what they say. We are committed to creating safer places for those who work and play in the vertical and dark worlds. For those who want to access their own inaccessible everyday, we are independent and completely free to choose our own endeavors, to maintain industrial excellence, paying attention to our impact, to be pioneers in the pursuit of perpetual innovation, sharing, educating, building together. This is how we see the world. We are Petzl. I just love that. So Andrew, uh, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk about success strategies, um, and I know that that's a super important topic for you, so why don't we just go ahead and jump right into it? Oh yeah, this is one of my favorite subjects, success strategies and uh, how to have an edge. Yep, so give us a couple of examples of specifically what you're talking about. Well, one of my favorite things that you can do to give yourself an edge create leverage is with strategic education. And what I mean by that is within your own field, whatever your own field is, if you're wondering, how do I get ahead? Look for specific education and get it yourself. Don't wait for other people. Don't wait for the organization that you're involved with. Maybe it's whatever that organization, it could be your union. Go and do it yourself. Yeah. And it will move you ahead of your peers. So simple. Let's use let's use rope access as the example here, right? Because we're talking about rig rope access. Mm -hmm. If I'm a rock climber and I'm living out in my van and I'm climbing all day and and I'm trying to figure out how I want to make uh, some extra bucks that way I can save up some money so I can travel to Europe to go climb there. Um, I want to figure out a way to do that and I want to get paid top dollar for my skills, which involve working at height, right? So yeah. I would look up rig rope access and I would come take a course. So that's a strategic education. The, uh, the IRATA, the IRATA course is, is good education to have. Oh, no doubt about it. And you know, you're just coupling that with your rock climbing, your passion for being at heights and just investing in a week course can man give you an awesome platform to launching a great career. Yeah, right. And a career in today's day and age that is mobile, right? Yep. You're not stuck in uh, an office. Most rock climbers are very outdoorsy type people, and we don't do well when we're 
chained to a desk and have to be on a computer all day. Correct. Some do, some don't, but for the most part, I'm speaking obviously uh, generally here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what other types of education would you suggest for anyone who's looking for right advancement in, in life? Well, you know, one of the things that's you have to couple with rope access is rope access is just a way to get up there to do some specific type of work. All right. So welding is really important. Rig, we need welders and we need welders that are qualified to work on ropes. So when a welder who already has those certificates comes and gets trained to do rope access with rig, he has a job pretty quickly. All right. So anybody who is starting off a career path, the best thing, and they're going to, you know, get involved. They say, Oh, I want to do rope access. I always ask them, Hey, what, what else do you do? Do you have a trade skill? Do you weld? Do you do painting? Do you do NDT inspection? And these are things that like, if they don't have those yet, and those are things that a guy can go get pretty quickly. Right. All right. Um, I say, hey man, go get those types of train, go get that training too. And then you're much more employable. Rigging is a big part of rope access. So as a rigger, one of the things that I did was I became a master rigger. And I went and sought out rigging education to become an actual educated rigger um, because we're always moving and lifting heavy things. Yeah. And so you have to have a rigging plan and you have to be able to manage moving loads uh, safely. Yep. You know, so that type of education where you can go and take a course for one week and then get a certificate, that's invaluable. Absolutely. And it, it kind of feeds into the, the overall issues that, uh, you know, we're, we're all facing at this point in time is, you know, what do we do with our, with our careers? Where do we move? How, what are some, some things that we can do to, to move in, uh, in a positive direction within our lives? And, uh, right. The education is absolutely at the forefront of that. Yeah. It's at the forefront. And basically, you know, when you have that mindset of always knowing that you can become better, all right, you will have no problem getting ahead. It's, uh, something that I learned pretty young in life that, uh, you know, as a stagehand, they tell you a few things just to, that'll help you. Show up to work on time, <laughs> have your tools, and have a good attitude. Yep. Th those are the three things yeah. right there. You and know, that's, and that's how you get to the next level in that's, the stagehand industry, right? Exactly. And so that's something to to always be thinking about. I mean, what are some things that you think about? Uh, you know, more generally about how to get to the next level. This is kind of uh, more of a mindset game, wouldn't you? That's definitely things that you like to think about when you're trying to achieve certain levels in life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that uh, I always like to say arrows in the quiver. The more arrows that you can have in your quiver that can bolster what you are doing for work and want to do, you're just gonna, you're just gonna get out there and have a, be impactful and be wanted on the job site. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like, what so some skills we've already talked about right um you know welding ndt can we talk about uh, right let's let's let the people know what ndt is for people who haven't heard that term before that stands for non-destructive testing right 
Correct. I know we throw that term around like everybody knows what it is. Um, NDT inspection, non-destructive testing is something that is really important for structural welding and that welders, you know, have their certificates for certain specifics of welding and rig. We do um, a couple types of inspection. We do ultrasonic, we do penetrant dye, magnetic particle. Okay. And those are the um, types of the majority of what's used out there for, for structural welding. And, and then we have CWIs, which is a certified welding inspector. These are great career paths for young people. Not enough of them. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when you get a skill like that and you want to start leveraging it, how do you take that skill set and like really, really utilize it the most and, and, and capitalize on the strategic education that you've, that you've found? Well, um, you get trained in rope access mm -hmm. and then you can go apply and work for companies that are, uh, have tons of that type of work. We have a lot of friends that work in Alaska and they just work a couple weeks on, couple weeks off, couple weeks on, couple weeks off. Mm -hmm. And they're providing NDT inspection support and rope access support up there. And man, these guys just have, uh, they make a great living at it. Yeah. So interesting, right? In the in the energy sector, and so uh, you know, one thing that I think rope access is really going to be utilized, and I know it's something that you guys have been looking at, is in the the wind, you know, the wind industry, and how so? How is rope access really going to be utilized within the wind industry? What do you what do you know about that so much? Well, you look at a wind turbine, and uh, it's way off the ground. It's way off the ground, <laughs> and uh, access is challenging, um, and the crane leaves. And you have to get up there to do the work somehow. Yep. Um, and there's a little hatch at the bottom of the wind turbine tower with a door. And you walk in there and there's a ladder that climbs up. And you have to have your harness on. You clip into the fall protection. You go up there and you pop the hatch and you go out onto the nacelle. But now you have to work out there. Yep. Like there's all kinds of projects associated with a wind turbine. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, man, it is a great career path. Uh, wind is here. You know, it's going to be around uh, as a form of energy that the United States is going to be using for a long time. Yeah. And so, you know, painting and coatings is a big part of maintaining a wind turbine. Fiberglass blade repair is a big part of it. Uh, installing lead, leading edge blade, that's a tongue twister, <laughs> installing leading edge blade protection mm -hmm. on the uh, leading edge of the blades. Um Man, the, the foundation inspections, mm -hmm. um, cleaning, these things get hit by lightning. Uh, there's a lot of work. So these are all the things that, right, you can look into in conjunction with a rope access right, class, right? I mean, you, you, once you get your rope access ticket, you can start fielding out different industries that are going to be utilizing rope access. And that's a way to leverage, you know, the rope access card and figure out, you know, a, an avenue that, that fits your lifestyle, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, one of the, my goals is, is to help the unions, the trade unions bring rope access into their training mm -hmm. because it's a form of work at height that is here to stay. And I believe that a young apprentice entering into the trade should have that option as a, uh, 
as kind of an elective, if you want to say, in their apprenticeship program. Yeah, totally. You know, we've talked about this before. It's, you know, I kind of liken you to the uh, the rope access Mike Rose. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, you're really, really trying to help bring people, you know, into a good place uh, career-wise uh, that isn't dependent on, um, you know, a four-year education or $100,000 worth of debt. You know, I mean... To, to go out and get skills as a rope access technician or as a blade tech, uh, you, you won't be paying much out of pocket for these things, will you? No, no, you're not. A couple thousand dollars. Right. You know? And then if you if you tack that into, if you join a, a, a trade union, right, um, and you can be skilled and deployed out in the workforce with them, that's it's a good option to have. Absolutely. And I am really... Uh a fan of the trade unions because if a young person's going to get involved in the trades, you got to be in a union. You know, that way when you put in your 25, your 30 years, you've got this great pension, you have an annuity, you have health care, you have a great wage. And um, if rope access is a part of this and it's not utilized all the time on, on every project, but if you have that skill, you'll always be one of the first employed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you can talk about. I know this a lot about uh, your your philosophies for work and for life. You want to break down your your concept for success. Ultimately, the the Andrew Fulton triangle of success. <laughs> well, you know, I think that. Uh, I'm really into the triangle because it's all about stability, yep. you know, and I like equilateral triangles. And so that's why with rig, we have the, uh, the triangle and, you know, I use the triangle, um, you know, in, in, in rigging, there's a thing called the triangle of stability where mm-hmm. your center of gravity has to stay inside of this, or you're going to lose control of, of your, of the rigging of the lifting situation. Right. Okay. Um, so I've kind of adopted that into my life. And so for planning strategies, you know, it, it's safety, time, and money, how I look at a job, you know, the safety element, how long it's going to take, how, how much it's going to cost, mm-hmm. you know. And then my personal creed for Triangle is lead, teach, inspire. Um, I'm always trying to uh, take my life to the next level. Um, I love leadership. I've got a lot of growth to do as a leader. Um, and I love to share, um, what I learn all the time. Like, so when I became a master rigger, um, I was just sharing everything about master rigging with everybody around me. Anyone who would listen, anybody who'd listen, I was on a, a mission to rig safer. And then, um, you know, I have my inspiration. I try to live a life that's an inspired life and to show other people, man, just get out there and have a great time and have as much fun as you can. Yep. I'm all about the fun. And that's and that's essentially what you know your your main goal with this podcast is to you know educate and entertain and in the education camp which is what we're talking about right now which is giving success strategies for your life and career and I think that everybody that you talk to on this podcast is going to have something to add to that so I think it's a it's a great mission to have and I'm you know super excited to be here, and, and I'm glad that I get to interview you and talk to you about these things. Oh, it's awesome, man. I really appreciate being here, and we're going to keep talking about some fun stuff next. Absolutely. All right. So one of the things that uh, we're really stoked about is Las Vegas. We're going to give a shout-out to Las Vegas, and here's why. Las Vegas, 
world-class adventure, you can earn a great living, and it's the entertainment capital of the world. And we all know that what happens here only happens here. All right, in this next little segment, Andrew, we want to kind of jump into the third component of this podcast, and that's adventure. We want to talk about it. We want to know about it. Uh, we all know that you've had plenty of stories to share. So, uh, so w- let me ask, why is Las Vegas or the greater Southern Nevada area a good place for adventure? Oh man. Uh, yeah, this is, this is great. And I'm passionate about adventure and adventure has just been a key part of my life, my whole life, pretty much, even when I was a kid and what makes Las Vegas is just so awesome is first it's easy to get to right but then we're just surrounded by so much goodness first we got lake mead so you know if you're into kayaking and just getting out there and doing remote camping and hiking lake mead is just absolutely amazing and then we have the spring mountains right to the west of las vegas and you know along the spring mountains we have a High Point, Mount Charleston, that's 11,918. It's a ski resort up there, and you can go waterfall, ice climbing, and it, it's incredible rock climbing, world-class uh, limestone up there, and high elevation, and the pine trees, so in the summer, that's where you get out of town quick, and we have Red Rock Canyon, some of the best sandstone in the world, and huge multi-pitch climbs, and then on the other side of the valley, we have uh, Keyhole Canyon, and granite out in that neck of the woods. And then if you're into, you know, petroglyphs and pictographs and Indian Native American rock art, this is an amazing place. Close to Joshua Tree, the Sierra Nevada, um, Grand Canyon. Right, it this goes on and on and on. on, and on right? There's on, just man. so many, you know, right, uh, outdoor adventure places to get to yeah. within three hours of Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just not to mention, I mean, Red Rock Canyon – some of the largest sandstone cliffs in the world, and they're so accessible, and this is such a great place to be for uh, just quick, accessible, awesome climbing. Yep. I think that, uh, I mean, maybe not so much in, in, in today's day, in 2022, but definitely when you rolled into town uh, back in the, in the 90s, you know, Las Vegas was kind of this little, uh, you know, little secret, this little outdoor adventure secret. Not too many people knew about it. Yeah, it was amazing. There was uh, just one guidebook at that time, Joanne's little red pocket guidebook. Um, Literally in 92, man, if there was 50 climbers in Las Vegas, that's a big number. Yeah. You literally knew everybody, and everybody just went to the same places, to uh, Calico Basin, to the boulders, Craft Rocks, when you could park right at the boulders, and then Willow Springs. Those were the two places you went after work. Yep. Um, it was just classic days. And, you know, as a young person, for me, adventure in climbing was important because it kept me out of trouble. Sure. You know, you have all this, uh, as a young male, you know, anthropologically, you're seeking adventure, you're questing and, uh, you know, you can get in a lot of trouble and Red Rock Canyon kept me out of trouble. It was definitely a reprieve for you, right? <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. So you kind of like dedicated your life to the concept of adventure, right? And of like seeking more and finding challenges and the, the risk rewards of, of being outside, right? Yeah. And yeah, all, all that very true. And one of the great things about adventure for me was the goal setting. It taught me how to, you know, 
have a goal, plan for the goal, train for the goal, make the goal happen, and uh, then on to the next goal. And I really think that people involved in adventure sports, because they're always questing, they're always got something, you know, that they're working towards, you, you uh, kind of train your brain to where you just know that you can do something that's unknown. Yeah. It's like, it's an unknown, but I know that I can make this happen. That you can figure it out, I right? can figure it out, yeah. So, it, yeah, I was a guide and loved sharing rock climbing adventures and, and just inspiring people. Big yeah. part of my life. And that's kind of become part of, right, your, your overall goal, you know, as with this podcast as well, is to inspire people to have adventure in their life and to, you know, whether that be within their career or to, to know that some things aren't known but that you can figure it out through being adventurous, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think that you just got to have a mindset of where, you know, everything is possible. Everything is possible, and if you get trained right and educated properly and you have a good belief system, you know, and, and good mentorship. That's another thing yeah. that I think is really, really important is good mentorship because you want people on in your life that have been there, done that. Yeah. You know, and that can share their experience, strength, and hope and help you through that because we all don't know what we don't know. And, uh, man, you can have the most go-for-it personality and all the skills in life, but if you don't know what you don't know, it's a little harder to move forward and get ahead. Yep, so having a good mentor, right, you know, to help uh, tell you, hey, you know, I've already tried that and it didn't really work out for me. You for sure. Could, you could do it, possibly, but, I, you know, that's that's the good thing about having a, a, a strong mentor. And, uh you know, it'll be interesting to to hear from some of your future guests, uh, Chad and Bob, who their mentors were when it came to, you know, inspiring them to work in rope access or who their mentors were, you know, in the, in the climbing world. Uh, who, who's one of your early mentors? Well, one of my early mentors was uh, my first boss I worked for rock climbing guiding in, in Red Rock Canyon, Randall Grandstaff. Legend. Legend. Um and Randall, right out of the gate, said, Andrew, you have to become an educated guide, mm -hmm. all right? You have to go be trained to guide because it's different. There's a difference between a rock climber who's guiding and a guide who's guiding. Mm -hmm. And basically, it boils down to the way that the activity is approached, okay? Um, just like being a recreational pilot is different than being a pilot where you're taking people flying. Wow. It's a yep. whole different mindset. Yep. And so Randall was a big mentor for me because he did first ascents in Red Rock. He impressed upon me how important it was to become a first ascensionist, to get out there and explore, do what hasn't been done, and then um, become an educated guide and a trained guide. And so that's what I did. And uh, I'll always thank Randall for helping me develop that mindset. Yeah, that's, that's great. You know, I, uh, I see a lot of, of those lessons and that's something I think that you've been imparting on uh, my generation. You know, I mean, I would definitely consider you a mentor for sure. And so I think that this this tradition of uh, mentorship is it's pretty it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat to be involved in directly. Um, yeah. What what else do we want to talk about when it comes to to adventure? 
being here in the Southern Nevada area, you want to talk about uh, flying at all, the, the new adventure that you've embarked on in your life? Well, sure, yeah. I'll tell you a little bit uh, quick about flying. So I got into paragliding in uh, 2017 is when I did my first lessons yeah. over in Santa Barbara with Eagle Paragliding. And I realized that uh, paragliding is something unique and that when I really get into it, I'm going to have to put the hammer down. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic came about, gave me the perfect opportunity the timing, to right? uh, uh, get out there and get trained because the entertainment industry shut down in Vegas. Uh, Thomas and Mac, we weren't working over there. Uh, our company rig was just crushing and I was able to get away and, and get certified and uh, 30 years of successful climbing. I feel very grateful for my climbing career and I'll always be a climber, but I was looking for something that was still super adventurous, wasn't as physically demanding on my body and also really cerebral and paragliding just provides all of that. It's uh, a lot of rigging involved with yeah. a paraglider. I will be flying up there and looking up at my wing and all these tiny thin lines and the fabric and yeah. these carabiners. And I'm like, wow, this is what's holding me up here in the air. I just love it. I love it. And there's so much to learn. You know, they tell you when you start learning paragliding that it's a, light, lock, lock, a lot like golf. You never hear anybody say they've perfected their golf game. No. You know, you're always working on it. And that's the same with uh, free flying, and which is what paragliding is. You know, we're up there soaring in the natural winds. Yeah. And it's a beautiful experience and it's, uh, I very just, adventurous, very adventurous. And I can't get enough of it. Yep. So, uh, also within the adventure vein, you want to be talking to some other people and bringing adventure stories out of, of people. Do you have any, you know, specific people in mind that you want to talk to when it comes to adventure stories? Oh yeah. I, man, there's so many and not just in Vegas, but around the country too, yeah. friends and people that I'm associated with that uh, I know will be gracious and, and, and come on our podcast. Um, some great folks here in Las Vegas for sure. I have a friend that climbs Cerro Torre in Patagonia. I'd love to have him on. I would love to have my friends uh, on who were some of the early, early first ascensionists in Red Rocks. I'm not dropping names right now, but yep. these are people who have done things. Sounds good. You know, um, we have a real prominent uh, individual in the entertainment industry here in town who's a, a producer who's climbed Denali and Aconcagua. And this guy has a lot of great, uh, just great stuff to share. So we'll love to have him on. And Absolutely. And we can kind of, you know, mold the, the, all the ideas within the podcast into these stories, right? We can talk about success strategies. Yeah. We can talk about careers. We can talk about adventures. And, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that's going to be the basis for the Rigway podcast. And I'm super excited for you, super excited that you're going to jump into this. And I know people are really going to enjoy it. Um, yeah, I mean, what else do we want to we wanna tell people about uh, the Rigway? Well, I also want to just, uh, you know, Pimp Bob and Chad quick. These two dudes are incredible adventurers. You know, um, they have uh, done incredible, incredible achievements in the rock climbing world. And in, uh, you know, they're both guides. They're uh, both involved with search and rescue. Um, Chad has been to Pakistan to go climbing. Uh, Bob has climbed in Patagonia. 
um, just incredible guys. Yeah. And I'm really, really fortunate to uh, have hooked up and partnered up with two just really, really solid partners. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that uh, about does it for the first episode, Andrew. So, you know, I mean, we've talked all about uh, about you. I know that's one of your favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, you know, we, we've got a good story of kind of how you uh, came to Las Vegas, how you started the podcast, and uh, what we're going to be talking about on, on the podcast. And I'm, I'm psyched to be here. I'm, I'm super, super glad that you invited me to interview you. And... Uh, yeah, I think this is a great place to, to wrap it all up. Yeah, I really appreciate you being here, Jason, for this first episode. I couldn't think of a better person to uh, do this with, somebody who's known me for a long time and we've had a lot of fun with, so it's, it's really great. And appreciate uh, all your questions and uh, working hard with this on this first episode. And, you know, it's just uh, we have so much content to talk about and to get deep with and... This first episode was just all about kind of laying the foundation of what we're going to have a fun time doing. And the next episode is going to be Chad, Chad Umble. Um, and we're going to talk with him and his background and just, uh, it's going to be super fun. And we uh, want all of you to leave our con leave your comments and like us and subscribe. And the last thing we're going to leave you with is like, remember everyone, when you live the rig way, you're living the right way. And that's our tagline that we're always going to finish with. So we hope you enjoy it. And thanks for joining us on the Rigway Podcast.